Waco, Texas, February 28th, 1993. What is that Paramount? What's the name of the channel? Uh, they, they remember that uh, that stupid channel that was, or the sorry, the dumb channel that was made. For, it's supposed to be like for like. A, I'm sorry, is it stupid? Is stupid not politically correct? Do we say dumb? Dumb? I don't. Though? I don't like that word. Okay. Um, it, the the Spike TV that's made for like guys eighteen to twenty eight or something. Yeah, apparently they're trying to go highbrow now, and they changed Spike TV to be Paramount Network. So, are you serious? Oh yes. Oh, I had, I had, that would not have been my guess. I think it's owned by Viacom. This is actually an interesting story, but, um, they, they've rebranded a whole ton of their cable properties because they're trying to like slim them down a little bit. Like uh, there's a channel called Oxygen that used to be like the lifetime competitor. And now apparently that's all just like crime TV shows now. Much in the same way that court TV became true TV. And now, it, and then it's all just weird uh, reality shows. This is much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Oh, I was, I, was, I was just making a joke about that stupid ad that, or that 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 dumb ad that comes on. I think today was the, maybe hopefully they stopped advertising because this this morning it was something about some South Bay hospital, but I don't know if that's like a geolocation thing. Yeah, no, I I totally I totally am picking up what you're putting down. I I also do not like that commercial, but I've been totally meaning to check out what that channel was because I had never heard of it before, and that, yeah. that is a far more interesting story than I. Than I would have guessed. I, I just I assumed it was some new channel, and that this was this like the show is maybe the way they were trying to promote it. it. It is. This is their like highbrow or not highbrow, but like their their um like big uh, flashy like first uh, foray into like whatever new programming slant that they're going to have on this. So I think this might connect with the main issue that I have with podcast advertising, where. I, there must be some school of thought or some research that proves that it's a good idea to inundate people with the same ad over and over again, because so many companies do it. There there must be some thought that that's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but it, it ends up just really, really annoying me and actively making me not want to try out whatever's being advertised to me. I, I disagree, because particularly with the daily, they do like three month at a time ad buys. And I mean, and that's why I own seven of the BMW 5 Series. I know exactly <laughs> what the features are. And, and, and I have 18 Google Homes. It's fine. Like, I get it. It's just that this has been a really annoying advertiser. Because like, whatever, like, it's it's not, it's, it's a TV show or, or docu series or something that i don't really care about but it's just it's like the, the ad read or like just the thing it's it's in this it's a, just in a terrible uh way and i don't i don't care for it the one thing though the waco ads do which is okay is so they run the ad twice once at yeah. some point during the program and then once at the end and at least there's two different ads with that hospital that you mentioned it's the exact same ad yeah, both okay. which but but they're literally less than 10 minutes apart well, yeah, but I, I, now I have a favorable opinion of the Lucille Packard something, something, something <laughs> or other. I'm sure they're doing great work. I mean, it's it's a um, it's a fantastic program, and we should not be bashing them on the eve of their one year anniversary. Wait, healthcare or da- the Daily? The Daily. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, Maggie Haberman's gonna be on uh, Seth Meyers tonight. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, saw that during my five minute uh, Twitter check in. He's like a he's he's a big he's a big fan, right? Because he had he had uh, Mikey B on. A while yeah. back, right? Yeah. yeah, it's good. That was good. That was a good interview too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Seth Meyers goes a little bit too hard, and I don't mean like too critical, 
But like, yeah, that's probably one of the problems where so much late night is just all Trump all the time, which kind of what else are you going to do? But also eh, it's a little much sometimes, but I love Seth Meyers. Is that different than any other time of the day? Well, eh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but I would also, yeah, point well, like, out cause, that. Because Stephen Colbert's show, like I was really excited for it, but like it's unwatchable now. Because he basically just kind of redid the Colbert Report. Well, wasn't the story there that his ratings were just sort of so-so when he was trying to basically not be Stephen Colbert and then... Yeah, but I liked the show when it was that way. I know, but it sounded like not as many people did. And now that he's getting more back into what he used to do, his ratings are way up. Yeah, but I don't... don't, That's not progress. That's, That's like making the same Star Wars movie all over, over and over and over again. To call back to a thing people will never hear from before the show. <laughs> uh, Ryan said a lot of uh, deplorable and, and unkind things about uh, 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 Daisy Ridley. That's her name. No, I'm kidding. She she's the best. No, she's oh, no. I'm 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 very, I'm very much a fan of Daisy. Yeah, we're on, we're on a we're on a first name basis. <laughs> Can I, God, yeah. I was hoping this would be a shorter episode, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you're the third per- like ever since you mentioned it last week. Uh, three people this week have commented on the fact that I talk about people on a first name basis that are uh, 11 orders of magnitude more noteworthy than I will ever be. Well, no, but see, the thing is that I really appreciate is you're, you're very sincere about it. You're not, you're not in any way doing it to be arrogant or, or doing it in any sort of jokey way. I mean, you're, you're just, you're being very confident about it and just saying it like it is. Well, yeah, like if I'm talking about like something related to Congress and if I talk about Chuck and Nancy, like I don't have to say uh, Speaker Pelosi, like or actually what is her title now? Speaker Pelosi, uh, Minority, what, what is Nancy Pelosi's title? Well, she she's the uh, she's the minority leader. In, in the Minor- a minority leader, not minority speaker. That makes more sense. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the, the minority speaker is the uh, Echo Dot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. Um, what that, what, does she have a nickname? I forget. Do we cover this? Crying Chuck and... Li- was it Lion Nancy? No, it's... I thought it was Lion Ted. Oh, that yeah, it was Lion Ted. That's right. What, what was the... Was it Low Energy Jeb? Like, one of these was really <laughs> dumb. I don't think I'm making oh, that just, up. Oh, just one of them was really dumb? But that one was exceptionally... Um. Yeah. Uh, oh no! Trump aid fires back at low energy Jeb Bush. This is this is dumb. I really liked how when they had Dick Durbin on the Daily. I think this was last week. Mike asked him about. See there, I, there I am with a casual first name. Yeah. Right? How dare you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Mr. Barbaro to you, <laughs> or Mike Mikey B. Um, he asked him what he thought about being called Dickie Durbin, and he had some anecdote about how when he was a little kid, he used to get called Dickie. And that his mom really didn't like it. <laughs> so he, he's like, yeah, if, if she was still around, she would, she'd be very upset. Which I thought was kind of a cute anecdote. Yeah. All right. So let's, let, I, I have this weird stretch goal where I, I want to see if we can get this show done in an hour. That used to, used to happen all the time. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think it's a slow news week, but I think let, let's, let's uh, try to keep a tight one hour. Let's, let's make this, uh, if this American life can do it, so can we. Yeah, well, I mean, well, after all the editing and stuff, it'll be, I don't know, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it'll nice. be like clockwise. Uh, yeah, 
I haven't actually listened since Jason left, but I'm sure it's still good because Dan's I haven't great. either. Yeah, Dan's great. Yeah. <laughs> so um, again. Just, well, but Dan, but Dan is Dan, great. Dude, Danny M. I don't. I don't see any problem with this. No, if the fine. context is clear, it's, it's totally normal. I didn't like. I'm not saying my uh, um, uh, my esteemed colleague Nancy. <laughs> like I'm not. <laughs> well, that would be weird. All right, I'm gonna sorry. Open a textmate file. That's my show title. Um. <laughs> um. All right. I can never spell the word conscientious properly. Okay. Um. Okay. Let's jump right into follow up. I yeah, think this like, is where we yeah. lose most of our time. Uh-huh. Uh, so quick update. I think I mentioned my troubles and dissatisfaction with the Eero setup a while ago. Uh, I finally got rid of it and and just uh, got something different. And I did it the really complicated way. I got a Ubiquiti uh, Unify uh, 802.11ac uh, enterprise router or enterprise access point, uh, and it's working fantastic. Yeah, I think I think we covered this, didn't we? I don't think no. I think this was an offline conversation. I thought it was online. Mm. Eh, nobody. Well, people people can. Yeah, it's not as hard to set up as you can as you would think. the The router um, that runs like their EdgeOS software is is very complicated and powerful, but also very complicated. Uh, the access points are actually far, far, far easier to set up. So yeah, two thumbs up and and a pretty good value. It's only one twenty, um, and I'm not getting any of the connection drops or. Uh, the Wi-Fi is just really slow one morning for no good reason thing. Yeah, we maybe we we very briefly touched on this because I, I do remember mentioning that I was also having a bit of trouble with my Eros. But since that last conversation, it it seems like things have ironed themselves back out. Because for the most part, I've been been perfectly happy with the the Eros. the The main thing though that I find odd is it doesn't seem like the switching between uh the i don't really what do you call them access points i guess doesn't seem to be super reliable where i'll have my iphone literally right next to the one here in the living room and it'll still be connected to the one in the bedroom or vice versa eh, i think that's mainly just because of your space like your perhaps yeah perhaps yeah because like the connection is not dropping it's just like the connection to the original one it was connected to is not poor enough to necessitate switching and i think that's a fair yeah, I think that's that's probably a better strategy for them to do. Yeah, but the the annoying thing is, and they, you know, part of what they say is that while well, your internet doesn't slow down, no matter how far from the modem you are, but that I find that not to be the case. Where the one here in the living room is the one that's directly connected to the cable modem, whereas the one in the bedroom is wireless, wirelessly connected to this living room one, and. I do not find the speed to be consistent between the two. The bedroom one is is slower than this one here in the living room. So when devices stay connected to the bedroom one, that's kind of annoying. Have you ever tried just unplugging the bedroom one and just seeing in the edges of your apartment, do you actually need more than one? I haven't. Um, that'd be a good experiment to try. I mean, it was certainly the case that with my Airport Extreme, it did not reach the the kitchen, which is the furthest point from the living room here. Got it. Um, but now I have not tried that with the Euro. Yeah. Uh, we have some updates on movie, or actually, you have some updates on Movie Pass. Yeah. So I asked you, and you you didn't immediately know the answer, and neither did I, about whether Movie Pass would work with special movie showings like 3D and IMAX, and <clears throat> did a little bit of digging, and it turns out that it does not. 
So it only only works on regular uh, showings of movies, which you know, like that that makes sense. Do you go to 3D movies when you have the chance? No, I actively actively avoid 3D movies. It seems like the crappy glasses would probably make it a worse experience overall. Um, it's it's not even so much that. I find the experience to be worse. I just don't find it to be better. And because you're paying a premium, it just feels like a waste of money. Got it. And apparently in uh, like their 2018 policy update thing, that, that also led to a few top AMC theater locations being removed from the service. There's only one in the Bay Area, and it's not really it's not one that w- I would have ever gone to, so it's, it's, a, it's no harm to me. That's what I actually found kind of interesting. I was... Like you think it's a Metreon, or like you think one of the the top tier ones. One hundred percent. I I for sure thought that either the Metreon or that big AMC that's over on Van S were going to be totally on that list. But yeah, it's just one random one. Yeah, maybe San Francisco is just not a big movie town in the grand scheme of things. Or maybe it's too important. Or maybe maybe uh, they. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. uh, It's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, Other Bay Area news. Man, this sounds like this sounds like a. We're doing the five o'clock news on ABC seven. <laughs> We're just moving very quickly between things. I really do appreciate the tweet they did about are you are you alone in hating that 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 kid that says what's a computer? Uh, that that was a very good tweet. Thank That's you. Pretty good. Yeah, Southern California knows what's up. Um, Shake Shack is going to have its first barrier location, and that has been um, publicly made available, and that will be at the Marin Country Mart uh, in Larkspur, which which is. Pretty good, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad it's coming here first. Marin never gets anything first, so be good. I know. You, I know you're not high on the Shake Shack. You're very much about your Steak and Shake and your um. What, what's your number two? I forget if this was an offline conversation or an online conversation, but uh, I've I've recently rediscovered the habit. Uh, I think we talked about this many episodes ago, and we had very differing opinions. Yeah, I'm a big habit fan. And it it tur- turns out there are a reasonable number of them around the Bay Area. Oh, no, like it exploded. I don't know when, because I remember it used to be not even just a Southern California thing. It used to be almost exclusively a um, Central Coast, like Ventura and Santa Barbara counties thing. Right. Yeah. The rising tide lifts all boats. Um, Spotify is uh, experimenting with a standalone app called Stations uh, to rival Pandora. Which I think is interesting. Um, when was the last time you used Spotify? It's been a long time. Like they're always trying new cool things, um, or co- like they're they're always trying things. Sorry, I should say. Um, and they've all they added a couple of years ago. <clears throat> they added a couple of years ago this thing called stations, which is kind of algorithmic curated playlists based off a of specific artist. That's kind of like Spotify, but it's never been very good. Or sorry, that's not kind of like Pandora, but it's never been very good. So I hope it gets better. Um, yeah, because Spotify overall is 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 kind of doing great in firing on all cylinders. So I, I I hope they succeed, even though I know you have different opinions. Um, no, I mean I I'm fine. I mean I I'm I'm fine with with Spotify doing as well as they possibly can. I just I, I think I think I think you've criticized their financial or or their um I've their, I've, their, I've, I've I've criticized the 
blind excitement about the company and their financials, or and the I, fact that they've they've made they've suggested they've somehow cracked making music, uh, money in, in music streaming. When I I very very much look forward to seeing how their IPO goes. Well, they already I, did their S one, and I'm sure there's lots of valuable information there. I, they didn't they do the no, that was um, the joke. Yeah, they did the right. They did like whatever, like whatever a silent S one or something, something where they listed without actually seeing anything of value that investors could make an informed decision on. Right, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, in terms of follow up, uh, apparently Square Cash now allows you to trade Bitcoin. And and I don't know what to make of this. I mean, everybody's trying to jump on the cryptocurrency bandwagon, and this clearly, <laughs> clearly but why, just. But seems why would like... Square do this? Just, why, I mean, do, why, do they why need not? to? But since it's such a volatile currency, and, and there's so much jackassery related to cryptocurrency right now, uh, why, why do they need to? Yeah, I mean, like Stripe announced that they, after years of trying to get Bitcoin to work on their platform, are now going to drop support for it. So I, you know, people are still trying to figure this whole thing out. Yeah. Uh, customers are limited to $10,000 in Bitcoin purchases a week through the app, but there's no uh, limit to the amount that can be sold. No. Eh, anyway. Uh, all right, let's get into the main stuff. Let's do it. All right. I, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a dealer's choice here. Uh, do you want to tackle Amazon or Apple first? Um, let's, do, let's do Apple because the Amazon stuff is just the healthcare stuff, right? Uh, no, I think, it's kind of, uh, I think we've got quite a bit. Oh, okay. Let's, let's, let's do the Apple, the Apple stuff first. Okay. Uh, did you order a HomePod? Oh yeah. It's, it's actually, it's sitting right here next to me. I got it, got it early. Mine's not shipping until February 5th. So I, was yours a, already. I, I was, I was in one of the, the press listening parties and I just, I just took one. Oh, you heard Hotel California? Uh-huh. Right. Um, no, I, I, I most certainly did not order a HomePod. And, and, and may I ask why not? You seem very fond of your lady, uh, of your friend in the cylinder. Uh, yeah, I mean the the lady in a can works perfectly fine for me. I feel no need to rejigger my whole smart home setup for a smart assistant that is objectively worse. And as I've said many times on the program, being in a small one bedroom apartment and being a considerate neighbor, I don't really have the means of even taking advantage of the HomePods apparent superior um audio quality and i'm also not an apple music subscriber so it, it, it by all accounts it sounds like i would get very little in the way of value in terms of trying to listen to music through the thing so are you still on pandora premium i am yeah hmm. and and the lack of is it still web app free or is it still only available on mobile it is which is one of my annoyances although when i'm Listening to music at work, I'm typically just listening to radio anyway, and at work is where I'm more likely to just use the the web browser. So it would be nice if the whole platform were, were built onto onto the web browser, or if there was some standalone desktop app. But you know, it's a it's a minor minor annoyance. Yeah, but but haven't you heard it's a really good speaker? <laughs> I well, no, I mean I haven't heard it yet, but. Um, I see what I did there. Um, hmm. But yes, no, I, that, apparently that is the, the big pitch behind it. But yeah, I, that just does not, does not speak to me in any way. I would, if, if Siri were amazing and if HomeKit were 
by far and away a superior smart home platform, then even though I wouldn't take advantage of the higher fidelity audio most of the time, this would still be a product that I'd potentially be interested in, especially with how much I've gotten into the smart home stuff. But I mean, and I say this as a person who generally really enjoys his Apple products, despite the fact that we complain a lot on this program about them. But I mean, Siri is just bad. Anyone who argues otherwise, I, I have trouble following. I mean, Siri is just, just not nearly as good as either the lady in a can or uh, Google Home. And so I just, the, to me, having Siri take over all the HomeKit or smart home responsibilities just would be a huge step down. I understand all that. And with that being said, I, I, Apple is really confident this is a great speaker. <laughs> So you were you were absolutely right with all that. I'm getting really frustrated, and you can tell me if I'm being irrational or or if I'm I'm out of line. But like all the reporting on it, like I think a fair number of people are are fairly skeptical of it or are just maybe not glowing about it. But like so, so like like John John, uh, God damn it, Mr. Gruber is uh, kind of super like positive about it. Um, and like people are being like, well, Apple's not talking about this being a, um, a, a smart home companion. It's, it's all about the music first. I, and we've talked about this at length, but like, just, just why, why is, why is a speaker of Apple, a thing Apple needs to make if it's not supposed to be the other thing. And if, and if they were worried about missing the boat on the smart speaker stuff or the AI voice assistant thing, then like, do, is, is it, do they get to skate by and say, well, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't talking about it being a, a smart home thing. We basically said that, hey, it's it's a really great sounding speaker, and you can use Siri to control Apple Music. Like, do uh, should they be afforded that luxury? I I don't know. Like, do, do they get like? Cause I, that feels like they're having they're getting their cake and they're they're taking the shovel out and they're and they're they're doing they're doing it both ways. <laughs> like, I, it just it, it it makes no sense to me. Because like it's, this might be an, an Echo thing. Well, actually, I know the Echo was poorly reviewed, or at least maybe people like weren't very excited about it, and it, they just it got iterated on very quickly, and and it ramped up to being a product that people love. But like, even if Apple manages to make that happen, like I don't, it 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 just doesn't make sense to me. If if they wanted this to be like an iPod Hi-Fi two point like le- like a legitimate vanity project, where like like it's just like kind of like you know those weird leather cases, like where there's like this $120 iPad Pro leather case where that Apple does just because I think that's what they do. Like, that's fine. But like with this product, I, I, you don't get to have it both ways. And you don't get to have like these weird stories on Daring Fireball where John says it's huge that it plays iCloud Music Library. Yeah, it plays music from a service you pay Apple $25 a year for. That's that's not huge. That's That's a functional product that does the bare minimum. I'm I'm just losing my mind over this. I apologize. No, I I home, the HomePod is a a product that I mean I, I, it's 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 not for me. I mean it. There clearly Apple is going after a segment of the market that's putting audio quality first, and I, I don't know. I I'm obviously no smart home market expert or something. I'm I'm not the the Gene Munster of of the smart home industry, but. <laughs> 
I just, I don't know. I'm highly skeptical that that represents any meaningful segment of the of the market. I'm I'm of the opinion that devices like the Echo and the Google Home are the types of products that people want. But but we'll see. Yeah, I, I will let this topic go very quickly. But but that brings up another point that that kind of frustrates me where. People will say that Google and Amazon are prioritizing smarts over sound quality, and they'll try to frame it as though Apple is prioritizing sound quality over like. But that that's that's not. I just don't think you get to do that. I don't know. And no, nobody forced them to make this product. Anyway, it's really weird rollout, and and also exceptionally weird is that they still don't let people touch it before it comes out. Like they've had a second wave of like hands-on or not, well, sorry, hands-off reviews where they will invite people over to play around with it and listen to it for an hour. But the person, like you still, like the people who are writing about it don't get to talk to it. Like they don't get to see what Siri does. And that that just seems super strange. Because if you delayed it this long, if you're still kind of ashamed of the product, then just keep delaying it. I don't know. The the rollout, I, I think we covered most of this last week, but yeah, the the rollout's been weird. It, it was delayed because of a delay in software features, evidently, and most of those software features still aren't around. So the, the timing, yeah, the, the timing feels very odd. But I mean, yeah, I, you know, the pe- the people who just blind, you know, blindly love Apple stuff will, I'm sure, love this product. People like you and me who tend to look at the stuff with a little more of a critical eye will have no interest in it. and. We're, we're too smart the world. to buy it, <laughs> is basically what you said, and I appreciate that. I mean, it, 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 the, the device literally focuses on two of the things in technology that I could not care any less about, which is Siri and listening to music in my home. Siri, I just actively don't want to use, and I don't really listen to much music here at home. So Yeah, you're a man on the go. <laughs> that's That's right. Now I do I do really really value better audio quality when it comes to uh movies and TV but mm-hmm. because that's again at at home I'll you know I'll watch a movie or watch TV but I just don't really listen to much music at home. Yeah. Unless you're in Canada. Sorry that's a fun that's a funny joke because the MTV in Canada is called Much Music. Anyway, sorry. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um uh, we'll, we'll we'll edit in some 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 laughing or something. <laughs> yeah, hey, um, let's. Uh, so Apple Pay apparently is uh, the the vice president of Apple Pay, and I don't have the link in front of me, so I don't know her name. Um, said that as of uh, the start of 2018, uh, Apple Pay or read that as NFC payments is available at 50 percent of uh, U.S. retailers. In your experience, do you feel that's not that I think like this is some like cover up or something, but in your experience, do you think that's true? Uh, so, real time follow up, and this will be in the notes. This is an Apple Insider article which quotes Apple Pay VP Jennifer Bailey. Thank you. Um, I hmm, it it strikes me as being high, although I will say that I've found in say the last six months that. NFC payments are accepted at many, many more places than than they used to be. I think I suspect a big uptick in that is 
um, devices like these square terminals and other small oh, yeah. kind of point of sale systems, they all support NFC now. And I mean, especially in places like San Francisco with lots of little small businesses. It, it, I mean, uh, many, many of those retailers use systems like that. So I, I have to imagine that that, um, as you would say, sort of gooses the number a little bit. No, it, it, it <laughs> does, but no, don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> It's pretty good. Um, and that's one thing where I really do have to commend Apple um, is that Apple Pay, because I think well, people can refer back to episode 32 about this. Apple Pay is very good compared to what came before it, like Google Wallet and SoftCard, formerly called ISIS. Oh, that was a fun time. Um, if people don't know, the, the joint venture between AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile uh, to do uh, tap to pay via NFC back in like 2012. I was called ISIS. Yeah, that didn't last. <laughs> Poor guys. Um, they did give away 1 million Jamba Juice smoothies, though. Um, yeah, Apple Pay made it so much easier and it took a lot of the friction out of it because that is one of the things where even though um, many people will knock Apple for the declining software uh, quality and reliability that they've had. Uh, one of the things that is actually fairly seamless and, and uh, is Apple's brand reputation and trust as somebody uh, and like trusted uh, like business practices and stuff like that. Um, it made it really easy to set up NFC. It worked um, reliably and effectively. And I think that jump started adoption, not that necessarily that just it being on the iPhone, uh, but the fact that it was done in a way where people were actually going to set it up. Whereas these other third-party things were something where you downloaded an app for it and you were trusting a company that you hadn't heard of because it's got to have some like millennial-friendly name. I just Apple doing it lent so much uh, more. Um, like the, there was just like credibility to the whole entire mm-hmm. um, technology. Yep, it's pretty. It's pretty good. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's my favorite way to pay. Yeah, I I definitely prefer using the watch compared to the phone, mm-hmm. but but yeah, it, it's it's great. And I you know I have sort of a specific use case where, you know, I'll go for a run in the evening, and often I'll stop by the grocery store on my way home from the run. And you know now that I've I've got a semi-functioning way of listening to podcasts on my watch, you know I'll I'll just bring the watch and not bring my phone, and it, it's super super convenient to be able to pay with my watch because I don't, I don't have my phone with me. I don't have my wallet with me. So it's, it's, it's great just to be able to do it right there on the watch. <laughs> Does the Marcel dog bakery take it? <laughs> I, I cannot attest to that. When we, when we get our dog someday, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> do, we'll do a follow-up segment there. Okay. I wonder if they're still in business. Um, that was a couple of years ago. Oh, we got, we got two quick ones that are speculative and we probably won't spend a ton of time on them. Uh, but I think we, we have different opinions or, or basically you're very, very, very skeptical of this next article, which is, um, the wall street journal a couple of days ago, uh, made a, uh, did a, like a sources no type thing saying that orders for components on the I- upcoming iPhone or that, uh, fourth soon to be produced iPhone tens, uh, were cut in half from like 40 million units to 20 million units. Uh, citing weak demand for iPhone 10, and I, I, I don't know one way or another about this, but you seem very, 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 very skeptical about it. I am very skeptical 
skeptical of it for a couple of reasons, and which all kind of fall under the general umbrella of, I just think that these numbers need more context. So a, a couple of thoughts. You know, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that the three months ended March 31st, there would be many fewer iPhones produced than the three months prior to that, which covers the initial launch window and covers the holidays. So if the numbers are comparing those two quarters and there's a decrease in production between those two quarters, that would make total sense to me. But even if that's not the case, and, and we don't know for sure if, if that's not the case, but let's assume that it's not and that this does truly represent a decrease in what Apple had previously put orders out there for. I would think it's much easier for Apple to put out a larger order initially and then scale that back than it would be to try to put out a small order initially and then try to ramp that up. I mean, Apple produces at such a large scale that I assume that one of their big challenges is getting enough production capacity. And again, I I just I make the assumption that it's much easier to cut excess capacity than it is to try to spin up a bunch of extra capacity. So I, again, without some of that additional context, these numbers just don't mean very much, I don't think. I, I, it's, it's possible that, that Apple legitimately thought the iPhone X was going to sell better than it is, but I don't think we can in any way tell that from these reports. Maybe so. So the first scenario that you suggest, I think, kind of isn't true. Like, I, I Apple would have known that the holiday quarter and the first three months of the release would probably have more pent up demand for this type of device, and that, of course, future quarters would have um, as the project is more mature and, and most in the initial uh, urge to buy is kind of worn off, that they would sell fewer units, so therefore their component order would be less. So, like, I generally, I don't think the Wall Street Journal has a big issue publishing, uh, publishing horribly unfounded things about this type of thing. Like, most of the weird supply chain things generally come from um, some of, like, the Asian newspapers, where, like, it's more tied directly into the supply chain. And, um, like, where, where what's the newspaper that, like, all, like, those KGI and, like, Ming-Chi Kuo... Um, reports come out of uh, i i forget that <laughs> i forget the name of the D digi times is that it i actually think that's it yeah probably okay. mm -hmm. um like i th i think maybe that type of newspaper like where maybe it's it's just entirely um supply chain based rumors uh is probably more likely to put something that's maybe less reliably sourced but like i don't know this 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 ri this rings true for a number of reasons yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I like. I I know you have a more favorable opinion of the iPhone ten. I just think that maybe it it isn't. See, I actually, I I I feel like that's not the case. I mean, I I don't mean to jump way ahead here, but when when Mike and Jason just went on and on in the Apple report card segment about how great of a year the iPhone had and how wonderful the iPhone ten is and how you'd be crazy not to rate it a five, I'm sitting there thinking like, I don't know. I think this is like a three. But anyway, but I don't mean to. Get ahead. But I, I just I bring that up now just to indicate that no I'm I'm not some iPhone 10 fanboy I think it's a so so, so phone but um 
I just I just think that this this production stuff is a bunch of nonsense and I mean, this is all a total moot point because Apple's earnings are tomorrow and we'll get a lot more insight from that than we will from any of this. So, But they also, they never break it down by uh, model, right? They would just say we we sold yeah, but there's million there's, the, there's the Horace Dedus of the world that do a, a pretty phenomenal job of, of probably pretty reasonably backing into product splits and stuff. So, and people people figure this stuff out, at least in a much more accurate way than some bogus Wall Street Journal report. As, as you called it, you, you said this was categorically verifiable fake news. Uh-huh. All, all capital letters, yeah. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think this is, this is probably pretty pretty accurate reporting. Well, we'll, uh, or, we'll, we'll I, see tomorrow. I can, I can hope. Um, I, sorry, I'm super prejudiced against the iPhone 10. Um, there's also uh, some, and this is probably super preliminary rumor stuff, about what the 2018 uh, fall iPhone lineup is going to look like. So what what is that supposed to be? Well, I, I just I, I think this is interesting because I feel like I mean maybe we you and I I'm sure didn't come up with this, but we definitely talked a lot about it even before last year's iPhone lineup, where it started to become clearer and clearer that there was going to be this two phone strategy. We sort of instantly started thinking like, well, what does that mean for the iPhone going forward? Are, are they going to do this every year? Is this like a one time thing? And now that we're past that window and we're getting into kind of prime iPhone rumor season now, which is hard to believe we're, we're already here again, but here we are. And we're still in the same situation where it, because of the way that Apple changed the iPhone this last year, we're left in this state where there's just a ton of confusion around what Apple's going to do next. And so there's all these rumors about there being a bigger LCD phone that's going to have this similar kind of body shape and form factor as the iPhone 10, but again, it's not going to have the OLED screen. It's going to have a, a cheaper LCD screen, but it's going to be something like 6.1 inches diagonally. And there was some reporting to suggest that that was going to be the only non-OLED um, option, which also seemed totally crazy. Um, but again, all falls under the umbrella of... I like, I like that phrase tonight, under the umbrella of... Um, with can just general confusion around the the iPhone lineup, um, but I'm sort of curious what you now think at this time about what what Apple's going to do with this year's iPhones. Are we going to see two new phones? Are we going to see just a bigger version of the iPhone 10? What do you think they're going to do? To be honest, I have no idea. Um, I think that painting themselves in the corners is is the wrong phrase for this, but I I just. Hmm. I think there's still a lot of people who think the the canonical and and just like traditionalist like the people who like the like the the original trilogy like those people love the iPhone eight and the iPhone eight plus, and then some people like you know like the next generation style uh, Stargate movies and then they get the iPhone ten and such, so I assume there's probably going to be a larger screen version of whatever the OLED Face ID style phone is, but then I think the big wild card is what happens to the uh, what is which? Which is somehow, in a weird, like warped and perverted history, uh, the the mid range phones, which are now the the seven hundred dollar iPhone eight style phones, I, I I don't know where those fit in this time. So other than thinking there will probably be something that looks iPhone ten ish, um, and something that's iPhone ten ish but larger, I have not a clue what it's going to be uh, named, and I don't know what uh 
whatever, <laughs> like the fifth year they recycle the iPhone 6 design, where that fits in. So I think I'll be very surprised. I So I if I had to guess today, I would say that we're going to see a new 4.7-inch iPhone. I think there's enough smoke that there's fire around this new 6.1-inch LCD model. So I think, well, okay, so stepping back, I think the 4.7-inch model will look largely the same as the current model will not, will not have Face ID, will not have an OLED screen. The 6.1-inch LCD model will, of course, not have an OLED screen, but will have Face ID and will replace what we know today as the iPhone 8 Plus. So will that be an edge-to-edge display? Yes. Well, I mean, as as edge to edge as the iPhone is, I I know what you mean. Well, no, but do, but do you do you think it has a notch? Yes, yes. So you think they would they would do that when they know the black levels of LCD will not allow the notch to blend in nearly as seamlessly? Yes. Hmm. That seems sloppy. Well, I I don't think I don't think I don't think all that many people outside of you and me care about things like that or the kind of the t-word circle i think americans are all are all about the black levels i mm-hmm. think they, per- they perhaps they were a very perceptive bunch american exceptionalism was about oled as people who frivolously bought an oled tv to get better black levels i don't think we're the most objective in this regard well but, but that's mostly your fault <laughs> i was going to happily look at, look at that very bad samsung tv for a very long time until you became pusher in chief yeah um anyway so then i think on the oled front so that's two phones then i think we'll see two more phones i think we'll see the successor to the iphone 10 same screen size with 5.8 inches or whatever the iphone 10 is same same form factor um and then we'll see some larger version of the iphone 10 so oled screen all that all same form factor but it'll, it'll just be like the iphone 10 plus basically I think so. I think we'll see four four phones. If a, if a new device comes out and it's larger, if there if there's an iPhone 10 Plus, is that what you want? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I even after what three months of use now, still kind of feel like the iPhone 10 is a little small for me. Especially because the lady friend has an iPhone 8 Plus, and I'll occasionally use that for something. And it's like, yeah, I do I do kind of miss this bigger form factor. Hmm. I really did get used to it. And I think a device like the iPhone 10 Plus, or whatever it ends up being called, does start to get to be sort of the best of both worlds, where presumably in terms of physical size it'll be smaller than what the iphone 6 plus 7 plus and 8 plus have been but we'll still have the benefit of a larger screen so seems like a potentially really great device again in terms of size maybe all right well well we will hope to be surprised what wouldn't it be nice this year if 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 it was all completely unspoiled yeah yeah that's no no way that's going to happen you know you know me it's the the apple i i don't think apple will ever have another surprise hardware announcement i i i would be 
shocked if that were to happen. The only the only chance it would ever have is if they announce a product that they're purposefully not going to release for, you know, six to twelve months. And even and even then, I'm I'd be skeptical it would ever happen again. There's just there's too many people that are interested in this stuff now. I think the the um, iOS based uh, MacBook might slip by. <laughs> Perhaps. Do you think? Uh... Do you think Jason's right about that? Like, do you think there's a chance that ever comes out? Or sorry, do you think there's a chance that comes out in the next two years? Because saying, saying ever is, is a bit much. Mm, I, well, I mean, yes and no. I, I do think there's a possibility that a device like that would come out, but I don't think that it would run iOS as we know it today. Hmm. It isn't, it, it's not going to just be, here's iOS 15, and it's got all this all this new stuff. Like it's going to be something totally rethought and totally different and, and probably have a totally different name. Do you think that's a third operating system or do you think it replaces OS 10 or do you think it's a unification where Apple has one operating system? Hmm. That, that's that, that I, I, I don't know. I, I guess if I had to pick, I would say it's a third operating system. Ooh. Cause I, I, which kind of seems counterintuitive and, and and against what most people assume, which is that there's going to be this convergence of iOS and macOS. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. App, I I do take Apple at their word that they're adamant that macOS is its own thing. So I mean, unless they they find some way of seamlessly merging ios and mac os or in, or i guess put a different way they have one operating system that seamlessly scales amongst all their devices unless they kind of crack that then i i don't know i but i i am i'm definitely skeptical of just a, a laptop like device that would just run ios as as we think of it today i don't i don't i don't buy i don't buy that but I, I guess I, I would acknowledge that I'm biased with the fact that I would have absolutely zero interest in a device like that. Yeah, fair. I mean, just I mean, like like Siri, I you know, like Alexa for for most of what I do, Alexa is clearly a superior platform, and for most of what I do, day in and day out, the Mac OS Mac OS is better than iOS. So, you know, why would I purposefully? you know, hamstring myself in using iOS in situations where macOS is better. Um, let's, so J Jason Snell does, uh, changing subject slightly, Jason Snell does a, th he's done it for the past three years where he does, um, he pulls a bunch of people in Apple punditry and uh, in like the Apple space and he'll do a report card on uh, how Apple did in the uh, year prior. He did it again this year. Um, I think people should look at this and read this on their own. Uh, it's very easy to get to at sixcolors.com. And while you're there, you should go subscribe and then also listen to the Six Colors Secret Podcast. It's very worthwhile. But um, there's a couple of categories. I don't think we need to go through all of these. But I think there's a couple of them that I think is um, are more interesting than others. Um, so in terms of the, key, uh, the three... Well, Actually, we'll 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 do, we'll do all the the first five real real fast. Uh, what what, give me, what what scores do you think the Mac, iPhone, iPad, Watch, and Apple TV get? 
or what, what, which of those five products, which do you think is currently Apple's strongest and what has the most opportunity? Let's phrase it that way. I would, I, I would put the iPhone at the top. I mean, I know I was saying earlier that I'm way more down on the iPhone 10 than people like Jason and Mike. And it seems like most people are. A, a th- rating this a three would probably actually not be true. I, I would probably lean towards a four. So I, I would say that the iPhone is probably in the in the best spot. But I, I would actually say that the Mac probably still has the most opportunity. I still I still feel like there's so much more that Apple could do with Mac OS that they just haven't because they've been so focused on iOS. Um, <clears throat> I would say something similar about the iPad, where I think there's a a ton more they could do. And I know that iOS 11 went a long way towards addressing some of those gaps, but there, there still feels like there's a lot more they can do with the iPad. So the, I think the iPhone's in the best shape, but that the Mac followed closely by the iPad have a ton of room for growth. Whereas then I think with like the watch and Apple TV, I think they're perfectly fine products. I very much enjoy my Series 3 Apple Watch and am perfectly happy with my Apple TV 4K, but I I don't I can't see a path where either of those products is going to get dramatically better. And I'm not even actually sure exactly what more I would want out of either of those devices that they don't already do. Like they they feel much more like just sort of commodity like devices that just do what they do and they're and they're fine. You really think that uh, the watch is a commodity? Like, because that, that seems like in a lot of ways, one of the most potentially the most personal device that Apple makes in terms of how you interact with it. And I think it's fair to say that it does have some room to grow and in, in that the hardware has become fairly mature and the battery life is now actually very good. Um, and, and, it, and it's, and it's fairly speedy. So, Hmm. I think there actually is a decent amount that they can do to make that better. But I think I think it's actually matured much quicker than I would have thought it would be after the first one, which was a little rocky. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I again, I really, really like the watch, and I think I enjoyed the watch sort of from the get go. Whereas you've maybe grown a little bit more into it over time. But I just think with the the size of the screen that there's there's just only so much it can do and i i just i have a harder time imagining it making huge improvements over time just because of how constrained the device is and maybe it just i don't know maybe i'm not thinking creatively enough but it just it's just harder to harder to see it yeah it's probably fair i think i think that yeah saying that the apple tv is is a commodity device is is very true i still have quite a few issues with it or just i i think it's it's kind of this weird $180 4K screensaver box that sometimes plays Amazon Prime Video. But yeah, it's fine. It, it's just too expensive for what it is. And uh, tvOS is still kind of rough around the edges. I don't understand what um, the TV app is supposed to do. Some of the apps, and I know this isn't Apple's fault, are just, just kind, of, kind of weird. And, and the remote is still very bad. But it's it's better than it has been, and I don't want a Roku because I don't want all my viewing data being sold. So it is what it is. Well, and, and I guess actually the thing that I would I guess throw into the the Apple TV category would be their original content, which I actually think I think upgrades 
I hats off to them for the coverage they've been putting into this. I actually find it really interesting, and I think Mike and Jason are clearly personally interested in it and have done a really good job reporting on it, or at least not not doing a lot of original reporting, but at least aggregating some of the reporting that's that's been out there. I'm I'm really interested to see what kind of platform they put together. I mean, I I go into it with a high degree of skepticism, just because of. A what they've already put out, and B that it's just it's just it's just really hard to become an original content provider. Um, but I'm super super curious about what they come out with and how they're ultimately going to package it. I would say, I would say the the very last thing you said is is the truest part of that. But also, I, I think it's something they have no business doing. Is that unfair? Like like. I mean, I, I I totally would have said the same thing about Amazon, though. And but Amazon makes more sense. Like, but they have. But that's because Am- it just seems like a much more natural fit for them. But like, because Amazon is not making all the devices you use in your life. Like, sure, they make the Echo and that kind of stuff. But Amazon also does everything. Like, Amazon makes half the internet work. Like, they they do many things. And making original content and either selling that as a separate subscription or something else, that seems to make sense. The company that you trust to keep your photo library safe and to make to like give you navigate like I, I just this I know Amazon Apple wants to be a services company and they want anything they can possibly do that it causes you to allow them to charge your credit card every every month. But it just seems like like why are you doing this? You you just you don't need to. Apple has a lot of moral views and things like that that somehow are going to dictate the type of content that they're willing to make. Um, it's just I I I don't see why they need to. As content content is expensive, like do, like. Do you, do you really see the twenty twenty one Golden Globes and and like? Tim Cook is in the audience right next to Jeff Bezos, and they're like, oh, yeah, the Amazing Stories is, is, has, has won the Golden Globe for Best Whatever. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it could happen. I, I don't know how high the odds of it are, but I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if, if that were to happen. Do you think that's something that Apple needs to do? No. Do you think it's something they should do? Yeah. Why? Because I think anything, I think making their platform more sticky is in their best interest and one of the best ways to do that is taking more control of the content that they that they run with i mean clearly something that's holding apple tv back dramatically is that they just haven't really been able to get cable companies and in some cases movie studios as well to play ball on their terms and so coming out with original programming i think frees them of that and could make the Apple platform, Apple TV platform in particular, a lot more interesting. Okay, I was hoping to move on from this, but like, do, do you really? Th- hmm. Oops, you really think that? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do anything. Um, oh, what? Yeah, sorry. Um, I was fussing with the rubber band on the mic stand. Um, do you really think that makes a meaningful difference? Because at most, like, if we look at every, and actually, yeah, Upgrade has had a really good. Um, recap that they've been doing about all this kind of stuff so what there are maybe like six or seven active development projects for um an apple uh over-the-top video service like just you you think that's what's going to sell boxes 
or like, and do you think, do you think the content that Apple makes for the service is going to be exclusive to Apple devices? Yes. That seems crazy or it doesn't seem crazy. That seems bad. Like Netflix's strategy has been that like, uh, they want people to be able to watch this video content on like uh, our, our, my gym got new treadmills. The treadmills run Netflix. Like they they will shove Netflix on whatever they possibly can. Who do people who are high prestige entertainment makers want to uh, make their video content only playable on certain boxes? Like that just seems like why would anybody want to do that? I think if the audience is big enough, it's fine. And I think Apple's audience is uniquely big enough. How much does this cost? Because there's there's no way it's included in Apple Music. No, I this I this I think unquestionably becomes something separate from Apple Music. And I could definitely see something where, you know, Apple Music's 9.99 a month. This video service is I don't know, 14.99 a month, and if you want both it's 19.99 a month as a package. Something like that. Yeah, but that's that's HBO Go pricing. And HBO Go has an immense back catalog of quality stuff. And it, it the, like just the best tele, some of the best television available from a company where that's all they do. Well, but so, I mean, I I think I feel like we're kind of saying the same things. Where I guess you're you're just saying there's no chance. Where I'm saying there is a like a small chance that this could work out. Like there, I mean, Apple has the resources, and it it sounds like they're hiring the talent where this has a chance of working. But do they have the resources? They 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 don't have the resources to make a, a a version of the Mac operating system where you can log in with a password. Well, but that's like that's the that's thing. Like, not that's not that's not the same thing, though. Come on, it is though, because they could hire more engineers. Like th- there are fundamental parts of their business that get like no attention. Like uh, okay, so let's let's get into the so let's move away from Apple TV for a minute. Like if we look at the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. Like the Mac, they're shipping laptops, all of which have a core fundamental defect in the keyboard where within six months to a year, unless you use it in a clean room, like your keys are going to stop working. Like, like there's so, and, and like the high Sierra, like might as well just be canceled as a project. Like it, it, like it has had so many show stopping bugs and, and, and weird things about it when this was allegedly supposed to be kind of a like a maintenance release kind of like a mountain lion where there's like oh let, let's let's clean up all the rough edges like I, I not that the people who are creating tv shows would be fixing unix bugs like i just i i, I think the company i like i'm sure they can walk and chew gum at the same time and they can also walk and chew gum and, and hold like a video camera and make a tv show I just don't see why that needs to be a distraction when it's not core to the business. It doesn't make the core product stronger and it's something that other people could do as well or better. All because Tim wants a services company. The same reason Tim won't give you more than five gigs of iCloud space. I I don't know. Connecting the software and hardware troubles that Apple have had with this original content and content initiative seems weird to me I, I don't i don't think they're at all the same thing again i don't think the same people will be working on it i just see i i see that as meaning there are 
issues in in what the company is supposed to be doing and the core parts of the business where extracurricular stuff or new businesses that other people can do better shouldn't be a priority. I mean, that, that, that's said a different way. I think there is a absolute 0% chance that some of the, the security bugs that we've seen this year, particularly in macOS, would not have happened had Apple not been pursuing this original content strategy. They, the, the two have nothing to do with each other. You you think if if, if... Like, I don't think I don't think issue, issue, issues like that don't just magically get solved by throwing more money at it or throwing more engineers at it. If there's, I, if there's oh, oh, I think they do. No way. If, 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 if there are more engineers to do proper quality testing to see, oh, can does this computer have root access enabled? No matter what, you don't think throwing more man uh, manpower at testing something like I I, I know like uh, no I get what you're saying in that more cooks in the kitchen uh, in the kitchen is not necessarily always a good thing. But I think you can brute force software quality testing. I think that is definitely true. I I, I don't I I don't think that's true. No. Hmm. All right, agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. Um, I I am I am very uh, I'm very intrigued that that you were you were so uh, positive on on the Apple TV thing. Is there one like one of the pro, like of all the projects that have been recapped so far? Is there one that you're actually like, yeah, that actually seems like something I'd really want to watch? Uh, there, there was the um, there, well, there, there's been two uh, like sci-fi shows that both sound kind of interesting, and then I was a big fan of um, La La Land. Um, so the they just hired the director of that to went uh, for a new original TV show. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in a couple of things that they're working on. Uh, but again, I, I guess like I, and you just, you just used the word like positive. I'm not sure that's how I would sum up my feelings. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested. And I think that if executed on correctly, it has the potential to make the Apple TV a more interesting platform. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of things like the, the pebble is interesting, but that's also dead now. Like the, there's, there's tons of things that are interesting. I, I, I'm, hey, but the execution on the Pebble wasn't very good, and the execution on this won't be. Very, well, okay, sure. I mean, that's you're totally possible. I, I, I'm just bitter about this laptop. <laughs> I'm bitter that you can't that you can buy an iPhone 10 and a MacBook in a, in a $2,800 MacBook Pro, and out of the box they can't talk to each other. It's it's crazy. Um, jeez, oh, this my my hopes of a one hour episode have been dashed. Yeah, that uh, that ship has sailed. Who who wouldn't know? That, that, uh, healthcare will be this hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, actually, we kind of already talked about this, but uh, let me get. Uh, or I think I, I think I already complained about this, but let me give you an opportunity to uh, complain or uh, advocate for hardware reliability and software quality. Thoughts. So I have not purchased one of these new laptops which seems to be the driver of a lot of the hardware angst so although i will also say though that again going back to my thoughts on the iphone 10 i like i i do not find the oled screen on this device to be very good like it i don't know if it's just my phone in particular or what but it really really suffers from um 
having different color temperatures based on the viewing angle that you're viewing the screen. Oh, the bluish whites. Yeah. Um, and the, even with True Tone turned off, I find the screen to be way too um, warm. It's just it's got got this weird yellowish hue to it, which mm. which and I've I've seen a bunch of other iPhone 10s, and it it does seem like that's just kind of how they are. Um, but so I, I I don't know maybe that's not an Apple thing. It's just an it's just an OLED thing. But um, you know, but again, because I don't have one of these new laptops, hardware quality I guess isn't really super top of mind outside of just my unhappiness around the OLED screen in the iPhone 10. Um, and then software quality wise, the, the stuff with Mac OS actually, I mean, while it's been uh, just really, really bad from a security perspective, I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me all that much. What has bothered me is some of the jankiness around iOS. Like I, I very often have to force close apps or will like have my iPhone become temporarily unresponsive or my iPhone will just all of a sudden get really warm or there'll just be some other issue where the solution is to reboot my phone. And it seemed like for a long time I didn't have to do that very often, but now I'll have to do that, you know, I don't know, once a week, once every other week, something like that. So I just, I find iOS to be generally less reliable than it used to be. So if you had to give that a numeric ranking, what would you say for software reliability? Uh, so I, oh yeah, so I guess, well, going back to hardware reliability, I guess I would say a four, just because I, I haven't had any major issues with my devices and software quality, I'd probably say three. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'd probably say hardware reliability, three software quality, one and a half. Yeah. There's no, no halves. Remember. One sounds really bad, so we'll say two. Yeah, like it's 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 really rough, man. Because like the problem for like another thing for me like is I um like I I love the Mac so much, and it really pains me to see like just like this was supposed to be the Max year, and it, it and High Sierra was supposed to be good, and it it just pains me that it's so bad. Like it just the fact like it was supposed to be APFS was supposed to be one of the, like a, just a really happy time that HFS plus which is kind of a fairly unreliable like a little bit bug ridden uh, crufty file system from the, the 1990s was finally to get overhauled but it's been just compact like modern compacted by like just all kinds of weird bugs all over the place and that they're like if whether or not you think that the um, whether the Mac is on maintenance mode or whatever it happens to be, like it's just who who's paying attention to this? Like I know everybody was concerned about the Mac hardware not being updated for so long, but like the software, like I the, I feel justified in, in in keeping my iMac on like El Capitan because it's just so it it it's it, it's it's rough all around, man. Like and, and iOS is is nothing to write home about either. Like just looking even beyond like the weird throttling thing, which is kind of like a hybrid. Uh, software and hardware story like it's it's r really buggy like where you will just see just like day to day like a lot of people just complaining about like just like uh, apps hang and, and and stuff stuff's weird and like the fact that up until 11.2 i had a thing where if i if i tried to go to the home screen while i had a second page of apps open uh, i would just have to restart my phone like it, it, it there's all these things where it's just like who's testing this stuff 
they're obviously not tasked with HomeKit, otherwise that would work better. So uh, I'm bummed, man. Like that's 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 the thing where I feel like things like uh, original programming are just like kind of like this weird distraction. Even though I know like the business units, even though Apple pretends like it, it doesn't run like a traditional company, they still have business units. So it just seems like that's just a distraction against the core stuff that they should be doing better at for a company that has so much, so much money and, and so much potential and, and so much money coming back to the US now. There are certain problems you can throw money at, and this is one of them. Maybe. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if 2018 does become a year that Apple sort of refocuses on hardware and software quality. It feels like there's been enough angst in the community that Apple has seen it, they'll recognize it, and they'll they'll start to respond to it. I don't I'm not saying at, you know, this time in 2019 we'll look back at this year and be like, okay, yeah, you know, Apple solved everything, but I I think they'll I think they'll start hitting in that direction this year. Yeah. The last one I want to talk about, man, we actually ended up doing like 80% of this. Uh the the social issues thing. I thought this was actually kind of it, like kind of I think this is one of the more interesting ones. How do you think Apple did on a social and I and I will put in slash political because I think that's kind of implied. Well, that's a big, that's a big caveat. Those I I'm not entirely sure that when Jason thought of this category that politics was really included in that. Well, then what what does social issues mean? Oh, well, it's yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it it is it's hard to separate the two. Because in terms of an envir- environmental record, like Apple's in a position where they make premium hardware and they're not like even though they love their 40% margins, like they're not hurting flex. So if they want to push suppliers to be uh, green in a very specific sense, like that's not hard for them. So like, of course, as like the richest company in the world and, and, and a company with, 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 with high margins, like that's, that's fine. But in terms of the social slash political stuff, eh, yeah, I, th- I, I think he, he already released the survey way before a lot of the, um, hypocritical tip stuff happened well yeah that there's that too Ugh. yeah i you and i are are clearly not this i guess the average here is a 3.8 i think you and i are probably a little lower than that mostly in light of mostly in light of what's happened um more recently yeah it would have been a three before the turn of the year uh it is definitely a negative 15 right <laughs> because i thought uh, timmy i thought i uh, tim i thought you could do better yeah. I thought you were different, Tim. Right. Could have been a contender. Um good movie. Uh we got anything else on Apple? <laughs> no, I think I think we've exhausted the Apple news this week. All right. Amazon's gonna fix healthcare and it, it, we're all gonna be better for it. It's gonna come as part of Prime. <laughs> right. So I think this is actually this has been misreported in a lot of or not misreported, but I think a lot of people when they think, oh, uh, JP Morgan and uh, Amazon are going to tackle healthcare, I think people don't actually understand what is being proposed. First off, all we have is a press release so far, and it is that Amazon, JP Morgan Chase, and Berkshire Hathaway are organizing together as a um, as employers to try to do something different for the way that they provide healthcare for their employees, not the general public. Um, and there's not a lot of details right now, and but basically they're looking to gather leadership and, and start 
doing this type of thing um, and using technology to make the healthcare process uh, simpler and better. And what I thought was what probably the most interesting uh, sentence in the whole thing was um, where the, uh, the companies said the initiative, which is in its early stages, would be free from profit-making incentives and constraints. Which I loved, or 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 that that just that that's that speaks volumes, right? Well, because I mean that's a a view that many have of how the healthcare system should work. Um, yeah, like because this oh socialized or universal healthcare. Yeah, I know people don't like the the, the S word, but um, that is a very controversial subject. Sure, but that that in a lot of ways is. Um, uh, in concert and and, and uh, true to the uh, phrasing of free from profit making incentives and constraints, which a company would probably want because uh, with the cost of healthcare in the U.S. and how in a lot of ways that's warped compared to other developed nations, um, for some of the largest employers in the United States to want to find a way to use their market power to eliminate a lot of the um excesses and, and and profit centers of providing healthcare is actually fairly fairly interesting. So I think you think everything you said there is is totally right. I, I I do think that this was pretty widely misreported or misunderstood and that there really is almost no no detail in this announcement. However, with that being said, I, I do think the the view of this you could take is think about something like AWS where that was a tool that Amazon built for themselves and at least from everything I've that I know about its history there was no plans to initially monetize it or make it available outside of their own use they built it they thought it was great they asked themselves well hey what if we go out and sell this to other companies and you know the rest the rest is history so i think the the thought here could be that yes amazon's focused on their own employees now well in in partnership with berkshire hathaway and jp morgan but perhaps if they come up with something that they think is interesting and works really well that that could then blossom into something that's used by the the general public so yeah there, there there's there's nothing concrete to get excited about i think yet but i guess there there could be a lot like apple's original uh, content to bring it full circle no (laughs) yeah i i this this is very interesting and i i think that this actually could be really promising in in a good start to a lot of employers realizing that the current commercial healthcare system is First off, because like we have this weird system in the United States, not that I'm sure we have a lot of international listeners, but where like you will have companies that are that are HMOs like uh, Kaiser and a few others that that try to maybe leverage the benefits of preventative care to avoid long term costs in the future. And then you have like PPO and then other types of plans where it just kind of it's like this weird mishmash of like, uh, let the free market decide and, and we'll hope that you choose somebody in network. Like the whole thing of the way healthcare works right now, even if you have an employer sponsored plan is really, really strange and also probably not optimizing properly for finding the way to spend the least on healthcare overall by trying to keep people healthy in the first place. 
So I think employers who are trying to maximize for profit, meaning their own profit, which means minimizing costs, is probably a fairly, is likely to be a fairly successful way to do it. So I think even if it's not that Amazon somehow cracks this whole thing and begins like outsourcing or providing technology to other companies to get this going, I don't know. Like I, I think this 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 is a very promising idea or start to uh, fixing things. If, if the federal government won't do it, and if if we can't figure out a way to streamline healthcare costs, eh, let let Bezos take a shot at it. I agree. Yeah. Could you get your you get your prescriptions at an Amazon locker? <laughs> you go go down to Whole Foods, get a get a get a bagel, get some cashews, and you, know, you get get your penicillin. There you go. And then actually in terms of healthcare or in terms of mental health, uh, Headspace, I don't know if you did any more research into this, but apparently in, in the What's New with Alexa newsletter that only comes out on Fridays, but apparently this week came out on a Monday for some reason, which which kind of threw me off. Um, Headspace is apparently now uh, available as a uh, skill on the Amazon Echo, which on iOS, because you use it, it's a $10 a month subscription. I think the, the one that I have, I think is twelve ninety nine a month. Yeah, did you did you look into this at all? And, and like, is this just like super basic stuff that's included, or is this the full on uh, uh, mindfulness experience? So, uh, I so in the iOS app, you have the option of session lengths, and it sounds like this is limited to ten minute sessions. Although the ten minute sessions are all that I do with the iOS app, um, it also sounds like it's limited to. Um, like day, like the, they, so they in the iOS app they have just a, a daily session that you can do. So they have series you can do and singles you can do, but then they also just have like a daily one that they put out each day. And the daily one they put out each day is typically the one that I do. Um, so it, in in a lot of ways, it it does sound like the this skill mirrors the way that I use the iOS app. So it's it's possible I may be able just to use the skill, although I'm with as much value as I, it's a lot, it's like one with one password, like with as much value as I get out of Headspace, I'm perfectly happy paying them. Um, but the iOS app definitely does do more than this skill does. But there's, there's certainly, it, it particularly like in my use case, there's certainly a lot of overlap between the two, it sounds like. Yeah, so it, it, it's, it sounds like a good start or it sounds like something neat to have on there. Um, when, when do you think like a, a uh echo skills and that kind of stuff um become more mainstream do you think amazon wants them to be um hard i don't know it's hard to say because like that that part of the app like well one the the the, uh uh, sorry i didn't mute the the front in the cylinder so i so the the app that that supports the echo on ios it's still really rough and it's still like very definitely not a native ios app but in particular, the uh, skills section of it seems very not maintained at all. So I, I can't tell if that's by design or if that's just how it happens to be. Well, and it just getting all of these disparate systems and services that the skills support to unify with Amazon system in a in a cleaner way seems like a pretty daunting task so yeah I, I don't know how you do it much better than they have with with skills that this just feels like there's always going to be a degree of jank to that stuff is that the singular form of janky uh-huh yeah exactly yeah pretty good um 
Yeah, so who knows? I I, I hope it goes somewhere. Well, uh, three years down the road, when the HomePod has skills, <laughs> what what do you think they're called? Just HomePod apps? Probably. <laughs> For probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you got anything else that's, uh, well, let's, let's, let's do like a, a couple of, well, we're already way over time, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point. Um, a couple of Uber stories. Um, people, we won't go too in depth into it, but there was a story that was the cover story for Bloomberg Business Week, um, about three weeks ago that's been kind of on our agenda for a while, but we haven't gotten to. Uh, it talked, it, it described the kind of inside tale of, um, Travis Kalanick's departure from Uber. The, it is actually surprisingly more interesting than you might think, even beyond what uh, Mike Isaac reported in the in the Times. Um, so people should go check that out. Uh, one of the key things that I thought that I took away from it: apparently, they've spent half a billion dollars on legal fees in two years. Seems like a lot. I mean, I I so I read the story and saw that number, and that that I actually didn't bat an eye at that. Of course, of course, they have like. Yeah, of course they have. That's, I mean, it, it's a shocking number, but it's not shocking for them. Well, but that's that's eh, not. The I, point. I had I actually or, had I had a very I don't know I had a very different reaction to this article. I I wasn't hmm. I wasn't surprised or interested in any of it. Not interested. Hmm. I mean, Kalanick is is an, a really really bad guy. He created a incredibly toxic culture at the company. Mm hmm. I feel like I, I've I've heard that story. Like I, I get it. I get it. Uh, well, I I I think it provided a lot of context, especially around his ouster. Like I I think that sure. Like I I don't think because I I thought it was actually fairly brief and concise. I don't think it talked about. I don't think it like egged really hard on. Oh, Travis is a bad guy. I think it was actually fairly interesting to find out that he actually had a meeting with and paid off the guy he berated in. Like like on New Year's Eve in some taxi or or sorry in an Uber black car, like I thought I, that's something I didn't know before and I thought it was actually fairly interesting. But I thought kind of like how the support structure and the VCs that insulated him for so long that because they just kept winning for so long, I actually thought the way that kind of crumbled was actually fairly insightful and interesting. It's not that long an article. I think people should check it out and, and decide. Yeah, I, I would I would encourage people to read it, but I I don't know I wasn't it did nothing about it in particular struck me as being super interesting or original or outside of what you would already assume. Yeah, are you going to read Mike Isaac's book? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully his dog is on the book jacket. <laughs> um, two other quick related things to Uber. Um, you 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 put this in the thing. Uh, today, uh, apparently, there's a company that makes electric bicycles called Jump that has partnered with Uber in San Francisco in the Greater Bay Area um, to provide on-demand electric bicycles. Which I'm eh, not sure. I don't. I, I mean, sure. I so I saw one of these the other day, and I meant I meant to I meant to look up what it was later and 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 forgot about it. But then as soon as I saw this this press release i was like oh yeah that's the that's that bike that i saw the other day yeah i'm I'm not exactly sure like who these would be for how they would be used but honestly i thought the same thing about scoot and the the scooter (laughs) and i and i thought the same thing about the these like city bikes which are like the ford bikes now 
and they are both wildly popular. So, I mean, what what do I know? Yeah, hmm. you were skeptical of the go bikes. Oh yeah, totally. Hmm. But they're, yeah, I mean, they're, but they're they're everywhere. I mean, I we were, I was over in Berkeley a couple weekends ago. They're, oh, they're okay. all Heck yeah, they're, they're all over there too. Oh yeah, East Bay Pride. Yeah, um, yeah, the scoot scoots. I, I those I th- those are iffier. But um, yeah, go bikes pretty good. I think they found a good sponsor in Ford. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you you should, you should take them more often because you 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 actually enter yourself into a chance to win a Ford Edge uh, <laughs> oh. each time you ride. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, and and a uh, ten year pass to, to uh, North Star. Oh, there you go. Uh, Ways carpool. Meh. Um. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I think that's enough of that. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. I. I. I don't care for ways. And also, I just that carpool. That seems. That seems dangerous. Or that seems. I. I don't know how you vet people in that. Right. Yeah. That would. That would be my concern too. I. I'm all for things that are reducing congestion and, and taking cars off the road. But yeah, it's just you know, a little bit. Uh, you got anything else before you want to wrap up? Uh, I mean, so there's there's a couple things that I guess were one one thing in particular we're we're deferring for another week. Um, yeah, when we have a slow week, we'll do it. Bigger topic. Um, no, I don't. I don't think there's anything that's super super time sensitive here. So maybe we just get into the chef specials. Let's do it. So I've got one that's very um, apropos, as you would say, of what we've been discussing, particularly with the Amazon stuff, uh, which is kind of has a technology angle to it, but but not really. Um, and that is One Medical. Have you heard? Have you heard of this? I am a member. There you go. Um, I so I just recently used them to get my flu shot. Um, and you know, I, I've, I've knock on wood. I've been lucky to not, not have to use them a ton over the years, but when I have had to use them, they have been wonderful. And this, this visit for my flu shot was the first time that I had been to them in a little while and was reminded of just, just what a great, uh, great service they are super, super convenient in terms of locations. I mean, they're kind of everywhere now. Um, I, all the doctors that I've seen have been very friendly. The offices are super nice. The iOS app is wonderful. The The ability to walk in for services like with the flu shot or even in cases where you need an appointment, being able to get same day appointments. It's just a, it's a really, really, really great service and takes a lot of the, a lot of the stress out of um, health related stuff. Yeah. Going back to what we talked about earlier, I like with, like a traditional with with a PPO plan, it's sometimes hard to find a doctor or to figure a lot of that other kind of stuff out. And that is one thing that one medical kind of sorts out for you. Right. And makes actually getting care when you are insured um easier and and, and more straightforward. Yeah, exactly. And I haven't actually looked in a while. It's one fifty a year. I believe that's I believe that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good call. Uh, my, my, my chef special, uh, is, and it might be one that I've done before, but I don't remember, but I've gotten back into it. Um, it's, it's, uh, a podcast. I'm sorry. For uh. it. It's, it's good. Um, it's called intelligence squared us. Have I talked about this before? You have not. It's, it's a podcast or it's, it's a series of debates that happens. There's maybe like 10 a year that they do. And, and and they're quick. They're about fifty minutes each, 
where they will take very, very qualified people in their fields. They will have a very particular, uh, like statement, uh, like Walmart is good for America or, uh, should college athletes be paid? That was actually a very, very interesting one. And they will take two people, uh, for and two people against, and they will just debate in, uh, traditional, like, uh, parliamentary style debate structure. Um, to try to sway you on what should be the uh, the outcome that you decide and that you agree with. And the way they score it or find who's a winner, they will pull the audience uh, at the outset of, do you agree with the motion? Do you disagree? Or are you undecided? And the team that uh, gains the most points and sways the most opinions wins. Which is actually a really interesting way to do it. Um. So yeah, I find it super interesting, and there is a very uh, large back catalog of things to listen to, and you can pick and choose the most interesting ones. Um, but yeah, if you're ever bored, I think it's a very, very worthwhile endeavor. Um, it's extremely civil, and you, you'll you learn a lot. Sorry, well, what was the name of this? Intelligence Squared US, because it, this started in Britain, like everything in life. Oh, huh, okay. I, I, IQ2 US? To be- yes. Mm-hmm. listen to the podcast version don't watch it there are a lot of things where i actually find it watching it it, it, it it's it's not nearly as uh um yeah it, it, it's just distracting hmm. okay oh I, I haven't actually listened to this one yet oh no it's coming up in the future swipe left dating apps have killed romance <laughs> i'm interested in that there you go all right, I think that's it. Uh, we went a half hour over the stated one hour goal, but you know what? Yeah, you'll you'll tidy it up and post. Oh sure, yeah. No, so we'll get we'll get this down to again maybe twenty five thirty minutes, something like that. Yeah, daily sized. Exactly.